It's the Armored Observer Podcast, the free edition, the everybody in the pool at the same time edition. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharp is checking in from Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello, brother. Well, Painter, we've got a decent bit to talk about today. Uh, final week of spring practices are underway. We'll talk some A-Day. We'll look ahead to A-Day a little bit, but our premium episode, our next episode we're going to do before A-Day, I think we'll we'll save a lot of like previewing and what we're looking for and the format and all that. We'll save that for later. But we've got a, a new, a fresh week of, uh, of Auburn football practice to talk about, as well as um, some news on the basketball side, uh, mainly the departure of Wendell Green Jr., uh, who announced uh, over the weekend that he is going pro so got a whole lot to get to appreciate everybody listening uh if you're listening to this and you were not a subscriber to the observer you will get that preview podcast later in the week as well as everything else we've got to offer uh all of our newsletters all of our podcasts you can get it for just 40 dollars for your first year it's the cheapest deal we've ever done we're running it through the end of the weekend um, so you've got still got time to jump on it you can click a link uh, a button or whatever however you got here there should be a link in the description or in the email that you got, or uh, you can just go to allreserver.com and check it out there. Um, it's the easiest, uh, you know, easiest way to sign up. And uh, like I said, yeah, you get your first year for forty bucks. It's usually sixty, so haven't haven't given a bigger deal than this one. And we're gonna run that here throughout the rest of the week. So let's get to it. Auburn football uh, back on the practice field last week, practicing twice on Monday and Wednesday. They practice four times this week technically, but one of them is not really a true practice. Actually, two of them are not true practices. They're back out there on Monday. They go Wednesday. They have a walkthrough on Friday and then the eight-day game on Saturday. Um, let's start with the quarterbacks because that's always the topic everybody wants to talk about. Last week, Painter, there was a lot of hype, a lot of buzz, a lot of um, just kind of good momentum in the Holden Garner camp. Um, which I think was significant, and I and I do think, I do think Holden Garner, the way he performed on uh, these last couple of weeks, has kind of gotten him to a spot where this feels more like a three way battle that it probably did when it was coming in. You know, for a guy like Garner who has not played yet, hasn't started yet, compared to Robbie Ashford and T.J. Finley, um, so it, it was important. I don't want to say it wasn't important at all, um, for his progress, but we got there Monday at practice and. There he is with the third team again. Uh, they're talking about the rotation. He had a solid week of practice last week, according to Hugh Freeze, but also adding that the other two guys, Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley, had good weeks of practice as well. Robbie Ashford, that shoulder that bothered him uh, over the last couple weeks, seems to be healing up better. I thought he looked the best uh, when we got to watch practice on Monday. Uh, had a good day throwing the ball. He's with the first team again. I say all that to say this, like, this is going to be a rotation. This is going to be an even battle. And I think the 8A format they're going to have where it's going to be offense versus defense is probably going to lend itself well for each of these guys to show something uh, here in, uh, here to wrap up spring practices. So, you know, if you bought all your stock in Holden Garner after last week, um, I don't want to say sell it by any means because I think he's a, in a combat, you know, this is going to be a really competitive battle between all three of these guys, but I think it just goes to show you that is rotation and different guys are going to kind of, you know, rise a little bit and throughout uh, the off season. And this week, a little bit more love 
for Robbie Ashford, who is getting healthier, which is something he couldn't say for the last couple of weeks. But uh, uh, Ashford, if Ashford can continue to get healthy and just throw the ball a lot more consistently, make good decisions, you know what he's capable of when he's running the ball, uh, Painter. It's just can he get to be that kind of passer that Auburn wants him to be? And I think he's gotten better at throwing the ball from what I've seen this week um, and this spring. But um, we obviously know there's a long way to go from what he did last year. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see if that athleticism means something down the stretch. So many moving parts around a position group that, quite frankly, just I feel like I know what I'm getting out of the two older guys. The younger guy, some question marks, but uh, it also feels um, like we just have so much to learn about the rest of the team before we can Mm -hmm. really feel very confident about what happens at that position. I think the thing with the quarterbacks is that Hugh Freeze keeps hammering away, and Philip Montgomery, when we talked to him recently, has kind of been there. It's like decision-making, decision-making, RPOs. I mean, you got to keep in mind, Robbie Ashford you know, and T.J. Finley and, and, and Garrett, like, these guys did not play in this system last year. This is, you know, I think this is more kind of what Ashford was probably signing up for when he went to Oregon, um, but there are differences. Um, it's very different from what Finley and Garner have been used to uh, so far. And, you know, Finley's played more than the Garner has in his college career, but it's, it's you know, Hugh said it again on on Monday. It's just, like, you just got to solve it with reps. It's kind of the same thing with wide receivers. Like, it shouldn't be surprising that, you know, the mid, you know, early, probably the first third of spring practices, you kept hearing, like, oh, man, the quarterback's got a long way to go. You, got, you know, they're they're behind where we want to be. Wide receivers the same way. Last couple of weeks, you've heard more positive things about the quarterbacks, more positive things about the wide receivers this week. And it's like, yeah, it's just it's going to naturally come with the reps. Um, I think some of the positions you've heard about that have been really good, they're either at spots that uh, has guys that have played a lot of football, offensive line, um, with the transfers, um, you know, secondary, tight ends. It's a very experienced room. Or it's a group, you know, I guess the offensive line kind of fits in here. Running back also fits in here as well, where I'm not saying it's not compl- complex what they're doing, but they don't have as much decision-making, and there's not a, there's not as much on the mental side of it as, say, like the quarterback or the wide receiver, especially in an offense that's going to do a lot of RPOs, it's going to do a lot of reading and reacting. Um, it, it, it's going to come with time. It's going to come with reps. Um, so... I think it's just, yeah, it's very much a work in progress. You're going to see on Saturday at the A Day game, I think you're going to see a lot of the, the that being a work in progress um, because Auburn, you know, they're they're just still installing a lot. They feel pretty confident, preset, in like some of their run schemes that they've worked on. Passing game, they got a long way to go, but like it, it happens with reps. It happens with just doing it. I mean, I think there was a thing a few weeks ago where talking to Marcus Davis and a lot of the a lot of the tones, a lot of the questions were being asked about. I was like, hey, man, we're hearing that the wide receivers aren't doing so high. Like, what, what's it going to be? Like, you know, what's, what are they struggling with? What, what's going to turn around? And he was like, look, it's just we just got to do it more. And so I think you're seeing that here as we get into, you know, double-digit practices. We're getting towards the end of spring ball. You're hearing more and more about these guys. Ashford, Finley, and Garner, um, I think all have shown some improvement in some areas. Freeze was asked specifically about, hey, what have these guys gotten better at? Ashford, the big thing with him was his pocket presence and having quieter feet in the pocket, according to Freeze. TJ Finley getting better at playing within the system, making some accurate throws. Um, 
you know, making the right decisions, like in RPOs, should have been handed off, don't throw it, don't force it there. This is new to him. Really good point. T.J. Finley, not been in an offense like this, at least the last few years. And Gariner, accuracy's gotten better. His deep ball's gotten better. Very, you know, some explosive plays recently. But has got to get still in the pocket and, you know, be more comfortable back there. Which, again, I think all of those things are going to come with reps. I mean, you don't sit here and say, hey, this guy needs to work on you know, the fact that his arm strength's down or he's not, you know, you're not hearing about as much as like, oh, you need to, you have a long way to go in terms of your accuracy or what you're doing throwing the ball. For these guys, it's just like, hey, getting familiar with how to operate this offense and being in that spot. And I think the RPOs and stuff like that, it's just going to come with time. So you hear more about the, you know, some more positive things about this passing game and these quarterbacks. They all have a lot to work on. They all have a long way to go. And truth be told, they've got a lot of improvement to do from where they were last season in order for Auburn to have an offense that's going to be competitive with where they want to be in the SEC. Uh, but uh, it's not surprising at all, Painter, to hear them say they're going to be better because it's just going to take time. But the one thing I don't think people want to have, whether you're a fan or you're in the media, is you don't want, it's hard to be patient because you're always wanting something, like you want something tangible, and it's just that's not what the offseason is for. It does make things a little bit easier, I think, and the the offensive line seems to be so much further along. Um, you know, it just it feels like, even though I think that there are limitations with two of the quarterbacks, and you know, again, just unknowns about how the third will look if he gets a chance to go out there. Uh, hopefully they can trot out something competent to put in front of them. I mean, you know, I will give, the, I will give the caveat of, of all the struggles that those two guys had last year when they played meaningful snaps. I mean, man, it's, it's hard to, I would imagine to feel very good about uh, going out there and consistently making good plays when you're, when you're under duress the way they were. So um, that part, them just generally being further along, gives some reason for optimism, even if I'm tempering expectations at quarterback. Yeah, the thing with the offensive line, I wrote about it on Monday, is that, I mean, I, I understand a lot of people that have been very skeptical about the offensive line because, look, man, we've talked about it for years, the recruiting, the development, and it wasn't going to get fixed all in one year. But the fact that they feel like they're further along because of the transfers that came in, the fact that they have a guy like Isaiah Miller who can be a swing player even if he's not a starter, that the fact that Connor Liu has done such a good job as a true freshman already, the fact that Tate Johnson overcame this crazy elbow injury and is and is able to get out there, he was back with the first team again, that you have some experience in some other spots is just I think it's a good sign for Auburn that your offensive line has been talked about positively because, you know, this is not, I think even more so than, you know, everybody's happy, everybody's positive, you know, everyone's a winner in, in spring practice usually, but this staff, and specifically Hugh Freeze, has not been shy about being honest, and, and he had some of that about the 8A game, uh, and just like, what, like didn't want to show much, might not be able to show much because of how much his team is still working on their offensive identity, um, but that line, I think, is just, I mean, everyone is talking about how much better that line's been. And 
that's not some, it's not just like a hey, you know, we feel like we're going to be better cuz we're older. It's you know, like we've heard the last couple of years. I think it's more of like hey, like we just feel uh, the guys who have guys who are out there have done it. Now, several of them have had to do it at SEC level. You've got got things like Jeremiah Wright who hasn't been, you know, fully cleared and hasn't been I should say he's been wearing a non-product non-contact jersey practice um the last you know throughout the spring but they do like where where that group is at and they should because i think there's an injection of talent and experience that you've just been missing the last few years because i think it was just a cycle with a lot of these older guys that didn't really quite click for them you have a guy in jake thornton as your um as your offensive line coach that has had a track record of producing pretty good offensive lines you know, at other places. So I think I think that's a good spot to be in, and it helps a ton. It also helps that your tight end room and your running back room are as far along as they are. You know, tight ends. Rivaldo Fairweather continues to be the talk of spring practices. His catch radius, making big plays. He's going to be a real weapon, and I think for a group that at wide receiver, like you have Camden Brown, you have – Nick Marner, of course. You have others. Like I think it's outside of Coy Moore and, and especially Javarius Johnson, you don't have a ton of experience coming back. I, I do think just having Rivaldo Fairweather is going to mean a ton, and you might even be in some situations where you play Rivaldo Fairweather as kind of a pseudo wide receiver and play Tyler Fromm, you know, uh, Luke Deal, Brandon Frazier, those guys at the same time. Um, you know, and those two tight end sets might be more effective because. I think Fairweather's got the speed and the explosiveness and the versatility and the catch radius to give you a lot of wide receiver-like stuff at the tight end position. But that group seems really good and, and comfortable. And then, man, Freeze coming out on Monday and, and, and point blank saying, he's I think Jarquez Hunter um, is the best running back I've ever coached. Now, he had an interesting caveat. When we talk about this dude being honest, um, you know, here, here's, here's something that he had there that I thought was uh, pretty funny. He goes, um, I haven't had a lot of great ones, but I think he's a really, really good running back. We had solid ones. Jordan Wilkins and that crew at Ole Miss were pretty good. Day-Day Hunter was the best one we had at Liberty. I had a pretty good one at Arkansas State, too. But Jarquez is the best that I've coached this far. He hasn't coached Jarquez Hunter yet in a game, and he's already saying, like, yeah, no, this dude's got it. And I think that's just, A, Cadillac Williams is really, really good at his job. B. Jarquez Hunter, as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter the other day, or to um, on, on Monday, might be the best thing, and maybe one of the few positives you'll ever say came out of uh, the the previous uh, uh, administration's era of Auburn football. And number three, it's like, yeah, like you know, Freeze more in the past. They run the ball, they will run the dang ball, but you've known Freeze more in the past as being a quarterback guy and a wide receiver guy and even a tight ends guy. To have that at running back, I think there is going to be some of that flexibility and that and that just kind of security that you're going to get because, oh, we've got a dude back here at running back who in his first two years, even when he wasn't the lead dog, he posted some of the best yards per carry numbers we've seen from an Auburn running back in a long time. Um, and I think that gives you a lot. But, yeah, basically saying, like, he's really good, and it's like, look, I, it ain't like a, I've coached a bunch of Heisman winners back there, but um, I think that just says a lot about Jarquez Hunter. And, look, statistically, well, I think we talked about it a while back, apparently, but, like, statistically, 
there might be a chance that Jarquez Hunter could, like, when we get to SEC Media Days in July, like, getting first team all SEC votes. Like, I, you look at what com- was coming back at running back in the SEC and what left, Hunter's got it. He's got the numbers for sure. I just wonder how many voters are going to be able to realize that because they'll probably just like, oh, he, he didn't start. Oh, Tank's gone. This dude's got it, and uh, I, I think they are going to use it as a as a weapon, especially if they run a lot of RPOs and they know that, hey, there is a safety valve and just hand that thing off. They were talking about with Finley, like, don't always force it in there. Just hand hand the sucker off and let let your good running backs go to work. I think that's it's going to be very very big, and so there's there's a security blanket right there, uh, and not just a security blanket, but could also potentially be the best thing your offense has this year. Um, so it'll help your passing game, but also can be the bedrock of a of, of a strong offense. So everything has to be couched with it's early, um, but it feels like you might right. be trotting out a competent offensive line. Um, mm. at least they haven't shied away from giving them praise. I think you did leave a little bit of a space when you wrote your story that, you know, it's spring. There's reason for optimism always. Um, coaches tend to be optimistic this time of the year. Why not? Uh, but you, you say all that and you, you at least kind of hope that there's an ability to bring out a, a competent offensive line for the first time in a while. And then running back, I think you feel pretty great about so I guess you could argue there's some unknowns with Jarquez and a larger workload but I think you wrote some that his numbers tended to be better when he had more touches and mm-hmm. yeah you know I, I feel like quite frankly the, the players behind him in a sense are unknown because they haven't played a lot for you but uh, I you know I, I think that's a pretty well-rounded group which really just brings us back to what you mentioned I think a moment ago um at least tangentially, that that wide receiver room. I mean, God, just like the offensive line, I'd I'd like to think after a number of years of just producing nothing that one or two guys are capable at minimum. Yeah, you would want them to pop. I think Javarius Johnson is going to be a good weapon for you. I think Corey Moore can be as well. Cantor Brown's been dealing with an ankle thing uh, during during spring practices, so he hasn't been able to go 100%. But I I think there's a lot to like about him. And his potential, it's just yeah that that running back group is, you know, Cadillac's done a good job. We wrote about it last week. You know, just the recruiting. You got another guy coming in and and Fat Burnett uh, next year. But Jeremiah Cobb was one of the best running backs in not only in the Southeast but in the country. He's coming in in this room. Demari Austin uh, has taken a step forward and has gotten a lot of praise from from coaches uh, this spring. And then Brian Batty, not only is one of the best kick returners in the country, but a guy that statistically last year was one of your best big play running backs in college football on a on a truly him and Revolta Fairweather I think both stand out in the fact that they played on some very bad football teams last year and yet produced some good numbers and that says a lot because when you talk about making that jump to the SEC it's like okay they're capable of performing without a great supporting cast now they're going to have a more talented supporting cast around them which should help make that jump when you're going in classification from going from the conference USA or the AAC to the SEC. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just a really, really good group. I think that wide receiver room, you, you feel like more guys can pop there. Um, you know, freeze. There's a lot of attention that's being cut. To like, Hey, who's going to be in the depth chart, you know, stars, whatever, who's going to be the number one receiver is the question asked um, on, on a, on Monday. And he was like, look, I'm not worried about that. 
Like they're gonna be eight. Like in this system, we're gonna play eight receivers. So you know, we're gonna rotate a lot. So like, I think it is a kind of committee thing. His time at Ole Miss, he had like he obviously had dudes who had awesome years. Um, Laquan Treadwell being the the chief among them. But there's a lot of just spreading the wealth um, that comes with playing fast, spreading the field, and and uh, and just throwing around the yard to a lot of different guys. So there might not be a there might not be a oh this is a Seth Williams or a Duke Williams or a Darius Slayton or Sammy Coates on this roster right now. Maybe somebody can kind of emerge and be that guy. But I think also this is an offense where you this isn't an offense where you have to necessarily have that because I think it is more built to take advantage of the depth and the numbers that you have. It's just can that depth and and those numbers take a step forward? I will say the one thing that I, I thought was really interesting from from what uh, Free said on, on Monday was he said, you know, first scrimmage defense won it. Thought, man, I got off the field and said, man, our offense did not play well at all. And he he talked about like how they didn't respond to adversity very well and how that, you know, kind of frustrated him. And then last Wednesday, Wednesday they have a practice, and the offense, uh, he called it total domination, which I think is means one of two things. Number one, your defense, as as much as you like some of the pieces there and as much as you uh, like what you're bringing back and some of the new guys that have come in, they're still very much a work in progress. Um, I think this has the potential to be a really good defense, but – they are not a finished product. They're not close to that yet. And number two, I think it's just kind of the the nature of this offense is that there are playmakers and there are pieces, and if they all can kind of click at the same time, there's some real potential. It's just it's that consistency that, that they're lacking, which, going back to what we said earlier, is going to come with time, is going to come with reps, is going to come with working on it. Uh, but I did think it was funny. He's like, he's like, as a head coach, you never get to win. You come off the field and the defense has a great day, and you're like, man, the offense sucks. Or you come off the field and the offense has a great day. He's like, man, did the defense? Did was I lied to about the defense? Did my eyes deceive me? Um, but I, I will, I will say there is that I think you can take some positives away from your offense stepping it up towards the end. But it goes back to like I said, it just it's gonna have to come with reps. It's gonna have to come with reps. Um, so. I think he had a great. I think he had a great point about it. It's like the truth is somewhere in the middle, which we're fond of saying on this show about a lot of situations. But I do think it. I do think it really fits here. Like, is Auburn's defense going to be a dominant force, or is it overrated? I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Is Auburn's offense just going to be a complete mess, or is it going to be? Uh, it's going to take everybody by surprise and take the world by storm this year. Again, I think the truth right now is somewhere in the middle on both sides, which should come together and be a pretty decent football team. Um, but right now, this early, that's where you're going to see kind of these up and down things. And I think you might see some of that up and down uh, on Saturday in the spring game. So at this point in spring camp, there's, I mean, a lot of your talking points as a fan, if you're someone who enjoys keeping up with this closely, like you have an idea of what, what there is to talk about. And maybe in some ways you feel like you've exhausted that because there is only so much improvement you're going to see over a short period of time, even if this time is important to the players and the coaches, et cetera. Um, so I guess my question, you would be having run the gamut mostly on what it is you can discuss with spring camp. Is there anything in particular you feel like 
there is left to glean over the next few days as we get closer to A-Day and ultimately the end of this time of year. I think what we're going to continue to see is like, hey, who continue to can separate themselves? I think there's some there's some guys that are already kind of you feel good about, but they need more. They need more at pretty much every position. You, obviously, you have the battle going on at quarterback, and you only get one of those. But like, can you find more at wide receiver? You know, do you feel more you know confident about your depth at offensive line? Who separates themselves out of the packet? Defensive line, inside linebacker, safety, uh, that star battle. And, and and then you know there's just some clear-cut spots where I think by the end of spring we're going to look at and say, yeah, they're probably going to hit the transfer portal for X, Y, and Z. Um, but for right now, I think you've heard, like, on um, on Monday, you know, Masai Nasilakite was a guy that got a lot of love from Hugh Freeze as being, more, you know, a lot – a lot better has improved the most from day one to now. That's a guy, again, we hadn't heard about quite as much. Um, but, you know, Jeffrey Embaugh was talking a lot about him. Jeremy Garrett's spoken highly of him as well. And to hear the head coach make that make that observation was pretty big. Uh, secondly, um, you had, like, you know, Marquis Gilbert, Kay and Lee, some of these freshmen. Um, you know, so there, there's going to be room for guys to pop and stand out. I will say... What can you glean? What can you get? We'll talk more later in the week about A Day in, in in particular, but like don't overreact to A Day. It's just one practice out of fifteen. It's just one scrimmage out of a few that you have in the spring. You can learn and I think what's more important, we were talking about it not too long ago. Individual observations of like this guy did well or this guy was talked about the most or this guy was a from a day-to-day basis, they might not have as much stock, but what you look for in the offseason is trends. If a guy keeps being talked about, if a guy keeps standing out, sticking out to you, if a guy or a position group continues to kind of progress in a certain area, that um, that's that's more important than just saying, oh, you know, somebody may go in the spring game on Saturday at A-Day and catch a 70-yard touchdown pass or – you may have a guy who's not named Jericho as Hunter break a monster run. Does that mean that guy is going to be the superstar touchdown machine for you this year? No, it's not guaranteed. I mean, there was a thing when I first got on the beat, there was this whole concept of the of the spring game curse where it was like if you were the MVP of the spring game, you probably didn't have a good year a few months you know, a few months later or left the team. And that was a stretch in like the Early Malzahn era. Now, it's faded the last few years. There have been great players who do well at the spring game and have great seasons. That's kind of gone away. But, like, it is, it does go to show you that you don't need to put, like, too, too much stock in it. So, um, But look for patterns. If if you, as an Auburn fan, find yourself being like, man, I've heard a lot about this guy, or, man, I've I've heard a lot about this position group, or I see a lot about this, these quotes or stuff like that, or hearing the press conferences and, and, and all that, like, yeah, that that's relevant. More than just like, oh, this dude out of nowhere. Like, Tavares Dawson Jr., not a guy we've heard a a huge amount uh, about in the spring compared to some other receivers. Had a few explosive plays at practice last week. Now, if he goes out and does the same thing at 8 day on Saturday, that is a trend. That is a guy who maybe the light's coming on for him. More than just, hey, this one dude stood out. Or maybe this one position. Like, (laughs) if Auburn's pass rush, like, if their jacks play really, really well, uh, or maybe they're 
I think Jax would probably be the best best example of it. Um, you know, that doesn't mean automatically that they don't have issues to solve and they might not have to go into the portal anymore, but it just it, it, it could mean something if it kind of keeps going and it stacks up on each other. So that that's kind of what I'm looking to learn from the rest of this, uh, you know, here here in spring ball. I do want to talk about one thing though, Painter. I'd love your I would love your take on it because I think I don't know if we've talked about it on here before or not. Um, so correct me if if we've we've discussed this in the past. Hugh Freeze has an idea about spring ball, the A Day game, the spring game that he wants to have, and I, I think it's a phenomenal idea. I know we've talked about it. I know I've talked about it in the past. I think our friends at Split Zone Duo may have talked about it before. But Hugh Freeze said this. He says he said about Ellie, what do you want to get from A Day? He said, I'm gonna cry again for the solution, which is the the solution is allow us to scrimmage somebody else on A Day, another team. I think everybody would get out of it exactly what they want. And if everybody is doing that, then all right, let's say we adopt a charity and give all the proceeds to them. Let's take care of foster care in the state of Alabama or orphan care in the state of Alabama. Let's all go come in. Alabama can play Troy. We can play UAB, vice versa, whatever. I, I don't care. Alabama State or whoever. People will come see that. You're decreasing your injury possibilities by 50%. And coaches are smart enough to control that, you know, we're not going to hit each other's quarterbacks, all that. If you want to put a different jersey on that we don't take that player to the ground, we can do that. I just think it would be great for the sport. I think it'd be awesome. The NFL gets to scrimmage against others. High schools get to scrimmage against each other. And for the life of me, I don't understand why we haven't gotten to the point where we can pull that off and do something that'll be helpful to some organization in each state. If every state did this, we'd make an impact on some people that need it. That would be my idea. And until it happens, I think all of us are going to be very guarded when it comes to spring games. Um, this is this is such a good idea that I don't think that the NCAA will ever allow it. It's, it's like one of those things where it's like it makes too much sense. I love the charity angle. I think it's kind of silly um, to charge people to come to 8A and just pocket the money. Um, and look, I get it. Like it, it, It's not free to have people work 8A. And, and when you talk about the security people and the events operation, like, I get that. I understand that aspect of it. But also it's like the weather's not going to be super on Saturday, it looks like here. And you're charging ten bucks a pop or something like that. It's like it, you might not have a great attendance unless you open it up or make it a charity thing, make it a donation thing. Like get people to raise money for some for a good cause. But the if you can make it more like a football game and less like well, the other team's gonna know you know the other side's gonna kind of know what you're gonna do because they're all teammates and they've been hitting each other at practice and and going against each other for fourteen practices. Why not do it now? You know why not? Why not do something where you can do, you can play against somebody else, and maybe it doesn't have to be play Troy or play UAB or play South Alabama. You can play Alabama State. I personally think the best idea would be Auburn should play Tuskegee every year in this spring game, and one year they come to Jordan Hare, and the other other year, the next year they go down down the road to Tuskegee, and and play there. Like, do you know how much more fun everybody would have if this was the case instead of just oh. We'll just watch everybody practice, you know, against themselves. It's just it, it's such a good idea. So I'm gonna throw it up to you. What do you think about it? I think in years past I would have been more hesitant to do it. You know, I decided that ah, oh, well, you know, would what if they lost and it'd be a bad luck? And it's like, well, you know, don't lose. Uh, you know, things happen. 
um, I I don't think that it would ultimately change like the <laughs> the trajectory of Troy or UAB or the other programs if they beat Auburn in a scrimmage one time. And the other points that you laid out that Hugh Freeze has discussed, just, yeah. I mean, whether it's exciting, whether it's keeping people healthy, as he said, because, you know, the way that the game would then be played, um, the charity factor, the, the ability to make it so that probably more people, even if it's not a huge amount, more people might come if it's free. I, you know, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but it doesn't hurt my feelings if the school stops charging for a glorified practice. So Yeah, and at least if you had the charity angle of it, you'd be like more people would be willing to pay if they knew it was going to a good cause. I, I wouldn't even set a minimum. I would just say, you know, t- games free, donate as little or much as you yeah. want. You know, I mean, I, I wondered in my head for a moment if it's like, hey, you know, you could – buy a ticket or you could donate but i don't know just i guess yeah really just do away with the ticket probably and just i think if you if you sort of trust people's best nature they'll probably be pretty generous i will say that that's the thing when it comes to charity and it comes to donations giving i think i think people are a lot more prone to do that than we think they are you know i I think I, I see the amount of giving that that goes to like when auburn does those toy drives during basketball and when they do the with outlive game and basketball, like I, you know, turn it loose, man. And like, I think you'll, you'll do a lot more positive. Yeah. Like I said, it ain't, you know, the people who have to work a day, like from the event staff and all that, it ain't free for them. Like, you know, and, and maybe you can get people to volunteer. I don't know. Like, I just know that, I just know that that would be a lot more, a lot more. I, I think it just would do a lot, a lot more good, not just from a football sense, but from an actual like life sense, but from a, from a purely football perspective, I think you would get a lot more out of it. And he's right. High schools have jamborees all the time. The NFL they have a whole preseason, and sometimes they'll practice it with each other and against each other. You know, anybody, everybody loves watching that part of Hard Knocks every year, where, where it's like, up oh, there, there's a fight between the Raiders and the and the and the Jets during practice or something like that. Like, yeah, I mean that's. Just go ahead and do that, and, and and make it local. You know, you don't have it doesn't have to be a thing where you have to travel far. Like I think Auburn's in a really unique perspective, where like there's a pretty good D two school minutes away from you that you could play easily, easily, and you could do a lot of good around here for that. And don't you feel like the idea of losing to them in a scrimmage one time? Like I understand that people would be embarrassed or whatever, but I don't know if it's going to just like like I said. I I think I would have cited that as a reason to hold off from doing it at one point, and now it's just like I don't know. I mean, they're they're not super likely to lose, and I guess if they do, I mean, you can chalk it up to it being a scrimmage. You kind of have a you know, right. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that basketball. Basketball lost an exhibition to a D two school the year they won the national, the national, the SEC title. I understand so, it would not be a good look, and and there's different well, dynamics yeah. with it that's being why I think you're probably schools, but I don't know if how much that really does matter in the grand scheme of things. That's the thing. It's like, I, you know, that's why you may like may not schedule UAB or Troy in that, but you might be more willing to schedule an FCS team or a D two school. In that case, like play, say not Tuskegee, play Alabama State, which is just a little bit further up the road, or play, um, play Alabama A and M or Samford, 
go play West Alabama. Or, you know, you can look across the state line and play uh, West Georgia or some of the some of the schools on that that this side of Georgia um, that are a little bit closer to you. I think there's some – does Point play football? I think that's right. Um, but, yeah, it's just do stuff like that, I think, it, and, and more people will get on board with it, right? Be much more willing to come to a game and you'd be like, hey – you can come watch a little football. It's going to be competitive. It's not going to be a. It's not going to be a. You know, practice glorified practice as much. Although I do think the the system they talked about for this spring game, this offense versus defense thing, it's going to make for a lot more entertaining game than we've seen in the past. But it would be better if it's like two different teams doing it, and you get to like kind of do your stuff and and kind of run it and know that the other side doesn't know exactly what you're doing because they haven't been practicing it against it. All spring long. It's too easy. The NCAA will never do it. How am I as a fan supposed to overanalyze my team when they're playing themselves? Exactly. I, I'd like to create narratives in my head off of two hours of practice, and it's hard to do that when the offense is scoring against my own defense. Like I said, nobody me, wins. Please. Nobody wins when you play yeah, nobody wins when you play against yourself. Nobody yes, wins. I don't know. Just quickly, more entertaining, potentially a little bit safer, I suppose, maybe less exposure to injuries, and there's the element of like a little bit of building goodwill and doing something for people locally or in your region. Like that's that's all pretty good logic, and as you say, not gonna happen. Yep. NCAA is too dumb. Um but I think I think basketball is starting to open it up and playing summer ball now, and so maybe football will change change their stripes. I just, that needs to catch on more with more coaches. Like they, more coaches need to like come up with that idea and be supportive of that idea and and see if it catches on. Because if it's just a handful of coaches talking about it, you might not get a whole lot, a lot accomplished. Um. All right, we're gonna talk about basketball to wrap it up here. But before we do that, um, like we said earlier, subscribe to the Observer, AuburnObserver.com, forty dollars for your first year. You get every one of our newsletters. You get every one of our podcasts. A lot of Auburn football, a lot of Auburn men's basketball. We're we're going to be putting out. We're in off season mode now. We've got this final week here with a day. We'll have stuff over the weekend from a day. But I will say, uh, during the off season, we still put something out. We try to put something out at least four out of the five weekdays. We try to hit five out of five most weekdays as well. But you'll get at least three newsletters and two podcasts as our as our uh, usual guarantee. Uh, here in the off season, so it's a lot of stuff that'll be coming your way. AuburnObserver.com, sign up. You can also help us out uh, by giving us a review of the podcast. Painter, tell them how to do it. Rate, review, subscribe, leave five stars, leave a line or two. You can leave more if you want. Some people get creative, but as we say, just a line or two will do. Uh, and make sure you follow or subscribe the show. Get the download automatically. Um, Appreciate you. Appreciate the people that subscribe and give us your money and certainly appreciate anyone that takes time to listen to the podcast. Um, Even the free one. Hope that uh, you'll tell somebody in your life that likes Auburn and, you know, I don't say this very often, but I think for, you know, as camp winds down, um, uh, but you know, brag on him a little bit. I think he does cover this differently than, than most people. Um, So I think it's a fun perspective. Obviously I a little bias. I appreciate that. And Painter Painter edits everything we do, both from the podcast perspective and the newsletter perspective. So I don't say that to blame him if there's ever any mistakes. Those are always my fault. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. We've got some stuff that we've uh, we're working on um, here for the next few months, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to make this off season as fun as possible. And we also know there's gonna be a ton of news. We're gonna talk about it a little bit here with with basketball, but um, there's always something going on with Auburn football, men's basketball for sure. I know that uh, the transfer portal has added a dynamic that has got both positives and negatives to it, but from a purely uh, C-word perspective, content, it uh, the portal has really made the offseason a lot of fun. I mean, you know, the free agency component of sports and the what if, um, you know, where you can kind of convince yourself like, hey, th- there's some new guys. Like maybe, maybe it's our year. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it is ultimately, I think, better for this sport. It, it it causes some headaches, I know, for the coaching coaches and the administration side. But what do we always say, Painter? That's what the money's for, boys and gals. That's right. That's right. Also, homefieldapparel.com. Get yourself some some cool Auburn stuff there. Also, you can get your official Auburn Observer T-shirt, the most comfortable Navy T-shirt you're going to find anywhere. Uh, with our logo on it, uh, be the envy of all the people around you uh, by buying an Auburn Observer T-shirt. Uh, Go to homefieldapparel.com. It's your first ever time ordering from Homefield. You can get 15% off if you use the promo code OBSERVER when you check out. All right. Oh, also, before before we move on, um, bracket challenge. We're coming up on the end. We're recording this, like, right before uh, the tip-off of the national title game. I think I don't think anybody picked San Diego State one at all. I could be wrong there. But... Quite a few of you, I would say several of you picked UConn, and I think the standings can kind of fluctuate a little bit depending on what, how um, Monday night goes. But Grand Prize is going to get a Lifetime Observer subscription. Um, folks who come kind of that finalist area um, come close. We'll give you some. We'll get you some home field stuff, some gift cards and whatnot. Um, what I'm going to do is this, um, since we're recording this before the game starts. The description here and the email that you get in the description, we will put our winners down. If you are those winners, well, you have your name on there through CBS. If you're one of those winners, reply to the email with this. Drop a comment or something. Anyway, I, I need you to email me. My email's in, in my bio or you know, reply to any of the emails you get from the Observer. You can get it as well and say, hey, this is me, and you can prove that it's you. Um so that we can get those those prizes to you as soon as possible. Um, so by the time this goes out, we'll know who won the national title, and we'll know all that. So that will be in the description somewhere here. So make sure you, you keep an eye out on that. We want to make sure our winners get that prize. Had a ton of people play it, um, and that was really, really cool to see. So congrats to all who won, and you know who you are at this point. All right, let's talk some basketball before we go. Painter uh, Wendell Green Jr. is moving on from Auburn uh, on Sunday, uh, making the announcement that he is uh, starting his pro career. Now, I'm going to read verbatim what he said in his post on social media. Uh, This is from Wendell Green Jr. He says, It has been a great honor to play for Auburn University for the past few seasons. Thank you to the coaching and training staff for your guidance, advice, and leadership. I would also like to thank my teammates and everyone who has played a role in helping me get to where I am today. I would like to announce that I will be starting my professional career and declaring for the 2023 NBA draft. Painter, I don't think we're surprised that there is movement of some kind at the guard spot. I don't even know if we're surprised that it's Wendell Green Jr., you know, coming off an all-SEC season, 
you know, was a starting point guard last year for Auburn, top point guard for the last two years, deciding to move on. But the way it's gone about him deciding to go pro instead of going to the transfer portal, portal route, one, I think that's a better move from an Auburn perspective. You don't want to see him end up somewhere else, I guess. It, may, it softens the blow, I think, uh, for you. And, and number two, Auburn is in a spot where, again, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to replace one of Green Jr.'s production as a playmaker. He's, he's played a lot of basketball for you. But Trey Donaldson says he's not going anywhere. Uh, made that made that clear a few days ago on social media. Also, Aiden Holloway, fresh off a really good performance in the McDonald's All-American game. He's coming in as well. Auburn's also reached out to some more experienced guards who have that point guard ability. They're in a good spot. So, again, you are losing something in replacing Wendell Green Jr., number two scorer. He's been your 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 floor general the last two years. But, you know, it, it's not a situation where you lose it and say, oh, this is just a devastating blow for the roster and, and it's going to be tough to overcome it. Um, that's no knock on Wendell. I think it's just... This position in the group, that 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 backcourt specifically, has a little bit more that you can kind of sort out at the point guard spot compared to say, hey, if a guy like Janai Broom left, or if a guy like Jalen Williams doesn't come back, and you sit there say, okay, now you're gonna have to go get somebody, you're gonna have to fit in some something there, especially with with the departures you've had with Treyor and, and Westry. There's no denying the value he provided to Auburn in the two seasons. Um... I do think there's an exciting prospect of being able to build around some other players and potentially bring in someone with more size. So, yeah, from a continuity standpoint, I think it would have been nice to have him back. Uh, I'm not devastated by the move. I hope that he gets what it is he's looking for and gets a good opportunity professionally. Um, He was excellent. There are some numbers that really supported his value, especially in that run. They had in the SEC title season. Um, I think with good players around him, uh, he was excellent. Um, and I guess I would say that I think he's a good player that wasn't alone capable of carrying a team, and not many people are, but yeah. obviously um, a valuable piece to some of the success Auburn uh, ran across in some of these these last two years, or at least – more specifically, obviously, the championship year. I know this year was probably tough for him. Um, he got a lot sure. of criticism. I thought some of it was really directed and the energy was directed in the wrong place. Um, he was not without fault. I know the late game situations will come to mind. Sure. So, uh, anyway, I, I think for Auburn, I think they're in a pretty good spot, as you just laid mm-hmm. out, even given somebody that just made an all-SEC team saying, hey, yeah. I won't be back. Yeah, and again, I think this reminds me a lot of when Jared Harper went pro a year early, and you know Jared didn't get drafted, and he went to the G League, uh, and now he's playing in Europe. Um, like Wendell, Jared, small point guard on the smaller end, and it's harder. It's getting harder and harder for those guys to kind of stick um, places. You're not getting any taller, you know, at this point in your career. Um, you do have some numbers and you do have some moments and stuff on film that can, can blight. And it's like, yeah, I think people are going to crack jokes or whatever, but like, even if he doesn't get drafted, even if he doesn't go to the G League, man, Wendell Jr. is going to get paid money to play basketball. And he deserves it because he's good enough to do that. But, you know, 
also it's kind of a situation where Auburn is turning the page. You know, you have Aiden Holloway. Like, Aiden Holloway and Wendell Green Jr., it was going to be very interesting to see how they would play together um, because even if you played them together, it's a smaller backcourt and, and all that. Is Aiden better at the one or at the two at the college level? We'll see. Um, and then you have Trey Donaldson who at times in his freshman year looked excellent uh, for you. So, like, you have um, – you, 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 you don't want to say it was a clear-cut large jam, but – Auburn, I think, wanted to upgrade their roster from the previous year. Some of that in the transfer portal is reaching out to guys who are more of that kind of um, point guard build to them. And, and I'm looking at guys like Jalen Cook from Tulane. Um, you know, some of the other guys, uh, you know, Jaden Epps from from Illinois, who they've reached out to. Quincy Olivari, uh, who I believe uh, Bruce Pearl visited recently uh, from Rice. Uh, played with Chumo Kiki in Atlanta uh, in high school. Like, guys are more kind of that point guard. So it was looking like Auburn was already going to be pushing for, you know, maybe somebody who could even cut into the minutes more at the one. Um, it was just going to be interesting to see how it all shook out. And for a guy like Wendell, instead of coming back and maybe not getting the same role that you had the year before with the new pieces coming in, go ahead and go pro and, and see, you know, what uh, what what happens. And I think I, I think I 100% agree. Like, um, I think Wendell got a lot of criticism. Like, players aren't immune to being criticized for sure uh, for their play. I do think it went over overboard uh, at times. I do think um, I do think some of the reaction to what has happened over you know since he's made his announcement has not made things any better. Um, you know, with with what some people have said, you know, online and all that. But um, I do think that. I do think that he's a he's a good basketball player, good guard, good good playmaker. Um, I think he is going to be whoever ends up with him at the professional ranks is going to get a guy who's going to give give you a lot. And you know, definitely wish wish him the best of luck. I as a dude to cover, he was always great to cover, great in press conferences, fun player to watch when he was when he was in a groove. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think. It is interesting because, you know, he was the point guard and, and the floor general of a team that won it in the SEC, but there was criticism about the way the guards played towards the end of the year that year. And obviously last year Auburn wasn't the same. Um, you know, his numbers weren't the same uh, as well because of it. But, you know, I do think he's going to represent something that, uh, you know, an era of Auburn basketball that, you know, had more positives than negatives for sure. And he was part of a team that won a title. He's got a ring to show for it. He helped them helped them raise a banner. That's that stuff sticks around for a while. There's not a whole lot of point guards at Auburn who can say they did that. And so I think that puts puts Wendell in a in a really cool spot. Uh, and I think Bruce Pearl uh, said it on Twitter. He's like, "This is a dude who's one of the hardest working players he's ever coached." Which, as a guy who's watched him at practice a lot, I would 100% agree with that assessment. And uh, helped see, helped his team win a title. That's that's a good legacy to leave. Even though I think after the year Auburn had this past year, I think there are some fans, like you were saying earlier, the the um, the transfer portal and all that. Like you do get that. Oh, maybe this will be different. Oh, need to get better. Need to need to do some things differently. Um, although I yeah, you know, I think some of that's naturally going to come now that there is an opening at your starting point guard spot, whether it's filled in by Holloway or Donaldson. Or maybe a guy from the transfer portal. Still, um, you know, there there's a lot 
I think he could have given this team a lot this this upcoming year. Uh, but you were in a situation with your roster that it wasn't like it was it, it wasn't devastating to your depth that he left. Um, but that's not a knock on him as a player. That's just kind of just where Auburn's roster is at the moment, and I think there's some other spots on the floor that a loss would be would have been a bigger deal. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'm interested to see what happens with Wendell. And I, like I said earlier, I think it's going to soften the blow some from Auburn fans that he's going pro now again. You can enter the draft process and pull out and decide to go back to college, um, but the way he phrased his statement, it's like he's kind of like what Jared did. Seems pretty set on going pro, and that might not be a situation where you get drafted or it might not be a situation where you're, you make a G League roster or get a summer league invite or something like that. Like We don't know what that future is going to look like for Wendell, um, but – um, you know, all the best to him, man. Because, uh, like I said, he was a fun dude to cover. Um, always was great with the media. Uh, and just like I said, when he was on, he was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, it could make some crazy, crazy moments when he was knocking down those deep threes. Some of the throws, the passes, the lobs that he had. Some of the some of the vi- his vision is some of the best that I've seen um, since my time covering Auburn. You'll take that. You'll take that for him. So, I hope I hope when um, gets in the right spot, wherever that looks like. I hope it's I hope it's in the league. I hope he gets an opportunity to do with what not get to do something that not a lot of small guards get to do anymore. Um, but uh, we'll see. I think makes it. It'll be very interesting to see kind of what Aiden Holloway coming in for Auburn, and then Trey Donaldson, and then even some of the guys who have that guard that point guard flexibility and versatility in the portal that Auburn's going after. It's a lot of different directions that this roster can go in now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it, say Aiden Holloway's your guy next year, or even Trey Donaldson. Like, they play point guard very differently than what Wendell does, and so that's going to change the way Auburn is. And we will see uh, if it's for the better. Uh, just because, you know, that's that's what that's what you run when you, when you have to replace um, a dude that's played a lot of basketball for you yeah man if i wound up in europe playing for let's just say i mean there's some variables at play but let's just say i was getting paid low six figures to you know i don't know live in any number of places in europe and not have a desk job could be worse could be a whole lot worse i would love to let's see I'd love to know what Jared Harper's making. Yeah, like admittedly, I don't know what the different leagues and different places earn, but I, you know, I presume it's good money, not great money, and in some places it could probably be less than I realize. Yeah, I wish I wish we had I wish we had those kind of numbers. Um, but Valencia getting that. I mean, my sister spent a semester in college studying in Valencia. Uh, uh, as someone who's seen a, seen a lot of Valencia and like. Heard a lot about it. Uh, you could do a whole lot worse <laughs> than getting paid money to play a sport uh, in a in a very big uh, and and very uh, uh, beautiful, really, uh, city uh, in Europe. So even if it's not in the league, which everybody wants, you know, everybody, and that's why guys like Sharif Cooper uh, and others, you know, Bri- you know, Bryce Brown was this way, Jared was this way for a while too. You you try to make it stick in America as much as possible because you want to have the chance to be that guy. You want to be the 
the guy that makes the roster out of the G League. You know, you want to be the Fred Van Vliet. You want to be the you know the guy that was the undraft from undrafted to you know NBA player. Like you, you want to have that story. You're gonna fight like heck to be that story. But there comes a point where it's like, you know what? Exhausted all your options. Let's go play basketball somewhere else and and make some make some good money doing it. Um, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good spot to be in. So hopefully for Wendell, he'll get that opportunity. Uh, stateside first and foremost. Uh, but if he ends up having to play overseas, I think he'll be a really fun player overseas because when he gets hot, uh, he's got a style that I think is it will work anywhere. Where, What country, if you had to play a professional sport abroad, what country are we going to? Probably Spain, but Italy would probably be fun too. I think Italy would be really good. Like Spain, obviously, has got a, a – you know, Spain and Italy both have pretty good reps for it. Um. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm with you. I think I'm thinking Spain. Really, I think if you pick Spain, I think I'll go Italy. All right, little little variety. Little variety. We'll, we'll yeah, I don't know. Bit. I mean, like living in Greece seems like it could be fun potentially, but also it doesn't seem like the pay is going to be as good as either of the two countries I just mentioned. I don't know. Admittedly, like I will say, <laughs> maybe the basketball the Greek- players make more over there than I realize in Greece, but. I just do know I do know the Greek economy isn't necessarily the yes. most stable thing on planet There's Earth. There's that as well <laughs> to consider, uh, but I digress. Um, yeah, so I, I'll be very interested to see where Auburn goes from here if if they go to the portal. You know, because like I said, it would have been interesting to see how Wendell and Trey and uh, uh, Aiden and KD, for that matter, would have all been able to coexist next season and like splitting those minutes. It was possible, though, and maybe you can bring in another type of point guard and still make it work if you're Auburn, if you're going on. Also, keep in mind, like, Auburn's got two guys that are quote-unquote point guards. I don't think they both will play point guard at Auburn at the same time, but they've got two point guards into High Pettiford and, and, and LeBaron Phylon that are coming in this 24 class right now, and, like, that creates something else. So, you know. It's 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 going to be very interesting to see what the strategy is and what they're able to do in the portal. Um, Auburn does at this point in the game. Want to tell you, uh, you can check us out on the roster tracker if you're subscribed to the Observer. But Auburn, as it stands right now, nine scholarship players at the moment, eight guys set to return to the team, four open scholarships that they can play with right now. Um, obviously, there are some guys that have some decisions to make, specifically Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan. Uh, they have not made an announcement uh, announcements either way on if they are going to be back for their fifth COVID seasons of college basketball or not. Uh, but Auburn's been going pretty hard in the transfer portal, and they definitely have the room to do it. And uh, now with three portal uh, departures, um, they got even more room uh, to play with now and we said it at the beginning of the offseason, Painter, right after they lost Houston. I just had a feeling this roster's going to look pretty different next year. And even if they bring back several key players, um, I think the green departure shows that uh, there's going to be a lot more room to, to, to maneuver this year than maybe there was this time last year. All right, that is going to do it uh, for this edition of the podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Like Painter said, Drop us, drop us a review on, on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Write something nice. We'll, we'll read it on air because uh, we're vain, but also we like shouting you guys out. Um, we'll be back later this week to talk uh, A-Day. We will preview A-Day. We will 
go through that whole um, we'll go through that whole outlook uh, on the format and what we've learned in the in the day since then. If there's any more basketball news, we will talk about that as well in the later edition of the podcast. We will try to have that out on Friday morning is probably going to be where we're going to have it. Um, so look for that then. That'll be there with the mailbag. If you're an Observer subscriber, you can email your Observer question, your mailbag questions to me. You can tweet them at me as well. Um, and we will get those in on Friday. And then our next free podcast, we're going to put that out on Sunday morning probably after 8A. Uh, we will record Saturday evening after the 8A game. Get that out to you guys on Sunday morning. Um, and then, um, you know, take the, take the, you know, take Easter off from our perspective and then roll into the rest of the off season, uh, that next week. So that'll be the next free podcast. So those of you who are subscribed, we'll talk to y'all again on Friday, bunch of newsletters, keep track of the roster, uh, with the basketball roster tracker, uh, on the site, you can subscribe again, $40. You have one more week to fill it out, uh, and, and get your, uh, get your discount. Uh, and uh, there's plenty of ways to get there. So we'd love to have you on. It's a great time of year to do it. And uh, you're not going to get a better deal than this one. Also, one more time, congratulations to those of you who won in our bracket challenge. You can read those names in descriptions. If you are one of those winners, sure, be sure to email me, contact me, um, so we can get you your prizes. Painter, that'll do it. Final thoughts. Purdue, not going to be the winner this year. Just as I thought it was going on. It's always